I'm back. Whether you like it, whether you know, I care. I care. And I want to try. And you know I'm a trier. So, guys, there's uh, probably only one place to start on the return of Ian Holloway as QPR first team manager. Andy, your initial thoughts on that? I think it's a great appointment. Um, not just saying that. I think it's exactly what this club needs at this moment in time. You know, uh, I watched his first interview he gave you guys on Friday and um, actually watched it about six times. Why did I watch it six times? Because it actually inspired me um, from someone that's connected to the club, part of the club. You know, as I say, his enthusiasm, his pride uh, just shone through. And I think that's exactly what we need at this moment in time. So I'm delighted. Paul, you conducted that first interview that Andy Sinton watched six times. Incredible. It's um, been watched seven times. Yeah, I know seven my times mum watched it as well. So that's um, fantastic. But no, it has had a real, real impact amongst the fan base. You've seen a lot of the social media activity saying that, you know, of all the interviews that they've seen in their time as a QPR supporter, that's the one that's really hit a chord. And that was because ultimately he's so honest, but he's so passionate about QPR. When you interview someone, say from our perspective, a new manager or a new player, you always hope they're going to say the right things. Whereas with Ian Holloway, you know he's yeah. going to say the right things because he knows the club so well, because he effectively is a fan in the dugout. So whatever he says is going to be the right thing because he's speaking as a supporter. And it's the same with Mark Bertram as well. You almost don't have to worry to an extent or you don't have to hope they're going to say the right things because whatever they do say, you know will be the right things because they're speaking as supporters. And you know when they say, we, we understand the club, we know what the fans want. It's, it's not just a cliched line, it's absolutely true. And I think it's a brilliant appointment and you just the excitement around the place is just palpable, it's brilliant. And you talk about that interview, you had about 12 questions prepared for Ollie, and I think you only had to ask about four or five in the end, because 26 minute, minutes later he's shouting out, I'm back, in the voice that he does, and all of a sudden time's just got away from us, it was incredible. Yeah, and he's, you can see what an infectious character he is. Um, obviously, you haven't worked, played with him, and I suppose you know that better than anyone, just to sort of impact he can have in and around a dressing room. No, very much so. That, that is uh, what you see is what you get with him. Uh, you know, he's really infectious. He's really passionate. Don't get me wrong. He's been successful as a manager as well. If you look at his games record, he's, he's racked up 900 games. Mm. He's been successful. So uh, he's not just coming in here as a, a cheerleader to, to get people going. He's coming in here to do a job. And I, I just sense, looking at his interview, which I watched six times, and I had two minutes with him very briefly on Friday, I think he's got unfinished business. He cares deeply about the football club. He's been disappointed and frustrated and annoyed at probably what he's seen, albeit from afar, over recent years. And I think he wants to get in and put that right and slowly or however quickly get QPR back to what we were, where we were. Uh, and as I say, I'm fully behind his appointment and uh, I just wish him all the, all the luck in the world. He won't need luck. But as I say, I just wish him all the best. I think you make a good point there, though, Andy, because some people say, oh, it's a sentimental appointment. But it is far from that. He's had 18 months out the game. People say out the game, but it's not really out the game because he's probably watched more football league yep. games and more championship games in that time than, than anybody else on the planet with, with his work with Sky Sports. But he comes in at a time where he looks refreshed, he looks re-energised, 
and he said to us that in that 18 months he learned so much about the game and if he can now put that into practice both on the training ground behind us at Harlington and on a Saturday at Loftus Road and the various away games that we've got coming up then the only people that are going to benefit from that are QPR and you, you think he, he's going to be a better manager now than he was 10 years ago when he left QPR because he's seen as a bit of a jester and a bit of a joker and a little bit different I actually don't think he gets the respect that his CV warrants mm. when you look at what he was promoted three years ago with Crystal Palace you, you, exactly you look at what he's done since he left QPR he's won promotion twice and reached a playoff final another time since like in the last six years he's been promoted <coughs> twice with Blackpool and with Crystal Palace and that's a feat that's only been matched by two people Sean Dyche and Steve Bruce now, people look at those two and say they know how to get you into the Premier League. Why aren't people saying that about Ian Holloway? His CV warrants that same level of respect. I think it's because his character is quirky, is different. So when he does interviews or does features, people focus purely on that. Whereas someone like Sean Dyche is obviously a character in his own right as well. But it, those sort of features always seem to focus on his brilliant achievements, and rightly so. But because Ian Holloway is that big character... I think sometimes that clouds the coverage that his CV warrants in terms of getting people promoted. Andy, you, you, you've been around him, um, certainly as a player. Um, are you surprised that he has had such a successful managerial career? Because you would have been in dressing rooms with him and he wasn't probably the Ollie then that he is today. Um, but when Ollie first came onto the managerial scene many years ago at Bristol Rovers, then QPR, Plymouth, and we've mentioned the Palaces, the Blackpools, the Millwalls. Are you surprised that he went into management? Because there's some players that you just think aren't cut out for it at all. No, where, no. where would you sit with Ollie? Did you always think he was destined to be a manager? I always thought he would be. You know, he was um, in our side in the early 90s. You know, we, um, he was very influential. Now, he wasn't a Les Ferdinand. He wasn't a myself. He wasn't a Dave Barnsley getting into England sides or whatever. But he was really influential in the team that he played in he knew his role he worked as hard as I've ever seen any professional footballer work he's probably the fittest player I've ever played for he demanded from other people I used to travel in with him sometimes he used to talk football he used to talk the hind legs off you so he was obviously a student of the game he had a great mentor in Jerry Francis who I'm sure he took a lot of his uh, early ideas from and as I say, he's, uh, he hasn't surprised me one iota. Um, I'm delighted he's back. Why am I delighted he's back here so much? We talk about managers when they come in. They, they say a lot of the right things. Paul picked on it, you know, but it's natural with him. He gets this club. He gets this club. He spent 10 years of his life, which in a lifetime is a hell of a long time. Five as a player, five as a manager. He gets this club. He knows what it's like to pull on the blue and white hoops. He knows what it's like to play at Loftus Road. He knows what those fans one from their players and their management and their staff and everyone connected to the club. He was at this club when it was rock bottom and he galvanised it and he pulled, he pulled it together. And, and that's why I think it's just a great appointment because I think he's got the capabilities. This club needs a lift. You know, we're not in a bad position, but it's in a little bit of a lull. And I'm just hoping and praying and believing he's the one that can drag it forward. Here's El Kayate. He'll swing it in as Great well. Ball. Good ball, Silla. Yes! Silla Get gets in. in at the front post. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank and his coaching staff embrace each other. And it had been coming. Great ball in from the substitute El Kayate. And Silla at the front post gets another one for him. It's all square with five minutes to go. Forest one, QPR one. 
A 1-1 draw at the City Ground, Paul Andy. You were both there. I wasn't, unfortunately. But ultimately, that led to the end of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's reign as QPR manager. Um, just looking back to the game itself, though, first. Rangers second best in the first half and obviously reduced to 10 men when Carl Henry saw red and then Britta Sombalonga gave the tricky trees a 1-0 lead. But second half, um, a far more impressive performance. Yeah, we were more on the front foot in the second half, I thought. And it was almost throwing caution to the wind. We we're a man down and a goal down. And personally speaking, I thought at halftime, it could be a little bit of damage limitation here second half because Forrest were the better side. They created the chances. They had a number of one-on-one opportunities that they did and didn't take. So when you've got the whole of the second half to come and we need a goal, like I say, it was a little bit caution to the wind and it proved effective. I think Nottingham Forest, they've had a bad run they started to get edgy. You could feel the, hear the fans getting edgy and that transmitted onto the pitch and we started growing in confidence and putting more and more pressure on. And we, it was almost like the, the, their red card almost under, undermined us a little bit because we were a better team before that. Then they got reduced to 10. Then we got the equaliser. But we, we fully deserved the point, I thought. And that boy Silla came up with, with the goal, the equaliser late on. And he's, he's shown that if you put the ball in the right area, Andy... Um, I guess you'd have loved, as a winger yourself, you'd have loved being able to look up and see you've got a striker in there that will get across his man and get ahead on the ball, and it was a really good finish. Well, that's what he thrives on. You know, I think uh, when we signed him, it was it was stated that he he, he enjoys crosses, he thrives on crosses. I, I, I like him. I haven't seen a great deal of him, but he's always on the move. He gets across people. Um, so, yeah, popped up with the equaliser. Uh, I was doing commentary on the day, um, and with 20 minutes to go, I was probably saying, you know, um, I thought Forrest were poor and I thought it was just crying out for us to get the ball wide, get it in the box at every opportunity and uh, that's where the goal came and from. Le- and let's give some credit to Nasser Al-Kayati. Oh, because a great ball. And he's been starved of first team action, hasn't he, recently? Um, but he's come in and he, he, he made an impact and I think it was only his second touch and he, he produces a, a ball that Andy Sinton would be proud of. That <laughs> <laughs> no, was a fantastic ball and... Uh, Possibly keeper might have done a little bit better with it, but um, pleased it didn't, and uh, it got us a point. It did get us, get us a point, but uh, as we said, it ultimately wasn't enough for, for Jimmy to keep his job. Um, I think the, the general um, perception is it was perhaps the style of play that ultimately proved to be the undoing of Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Paul. Yeah, it, it certainly seemed that way. I think the supporters had um, become a, just almost, it seems too strong a word, a little bit disillusioned, mm. particularly at Loftus Road and rightly or wrongly supporters weren't too keen on playing one up top in, in home games. There's a way of playing a 4-2-3-1, isn't there? That, well, there's two ways of playing it. There's one that's ultimately quite defensive, but if you do get the best out of players in a 4-2-3-1, mm. it can be almost more attacking than a 4-4-2, but I think striking that balance and making those in-game decisions to change from a defensive to an attacking formation Andy you've been a manager yourself and when you're in the dugout and things are going on around you it can be quite difficult but I think ultimately like like Paul said it it, it is just finding that balance yeah of course it is and I think um yeah, Jimmy was a good guy I'll say that on 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 record you know, I think I don't think anybody will question uh, he worked incredibly hard um when he was appointed manager here, uh, I know the club went through a, a real process and I wasn't privy to names at the interview, but they thought he was the best and given his win percentage record, it was the best. And sometimes it doesn't quite happen. Um, certainly this season, I saw big improvements last year where I was sort of buoyed and I was really looking forward to this year. But after the first couple of games, it's gone a bit flat. 
I think Paul hit uh, hit the nail on the head. I think it was our home form more than more than anything. <coughs> you know, um, results haven't been great. I think we've won one out of our last seven since beating Leeds. The performances haven't been great. We've only scored four in those seven games at home. And I think that ultimately was just piling pressure on. You have to produce in front of your own fans. And we've had some pretty poor performances. Preston, Newcastle. And ultimately, I think the Brentford game was probably the, the nail in the coffin, really. And it did come to an end at around nine o'clock last Saturday. And we got the views from Les Ferdinand as to how all that evolved. Um, so let's hear now from QPR's director of football, Les Ferdinand. Les, normally an international break is quite quiet when there's a break in fixtures. That's not been the case this time around for QPR. Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank moving on, Ian Holloway coming in. We'll talk about Ian Holloway in a moment, but firstly, a difficult decision, but the board and yourself obviously felt it was the right decision to make regarding Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank. Yeah, always a difficult decision when you've got to to relieve a manager of his post, Um, but it was one we felt was in the best interest of the football club. Jimmy had come in uh, and he'd done great in terms of Understanding where we was as a football club, um, you know, we had to we had to lower the wage bill. Um, there was not a lot of money for transfers um, in terms of what's been here before in the past, and he understood all that. Um, but it was about getting the best out of the young players that we had here and improving what we had here. And unfortunately, the only thing that he lacked on uh, was the style of play that we had at Queens Park Rangers. In terms of that style of play, what was it that the board felt wasn't right? Well, first of all, results. But it was the manner in which we were getting those results. I think um, you know we were playing lots of games where you know we weren't looking like we were having a shot. We weren't looking like an attacking threat. Um, bit, bit too defensive um, and, and perhaps not on the front foot enough. And just before we speak about Ian Holloway, there's always speculation and rumours. Whatever football club you're at, at QPR, there was speculation in in some areas, in some quarters, that there was involvement in team selection, be it from the board, the owners, from yourself. How frustrating is that? And I suppose I have to ask the question, how true is that? Extremely frustrating, because what you do, you get people that wake up in the morning on, on their social media and decide, oh, they know what's going on at the football club. And so they put something out. And, and, and sometimes when people put things out, it snowballs into to something that they don't know what they're talking about. you know. And um, that's, that's the frustrating part. I don't go on social media. If I was on social media, this is probably why I'm not on it, because... You know, you'd reply and you'd get angry because people are talking about something they absolutely know nothing about. Um, as far as team collection, selection was concerned, um, had no influence on, on, on Jimmy. Jimmy picked a team that he wanted to go out to play week in, week out. Um, did I speak to Jimmy about football? Yeah, I spoke to Jimmy about our football. I spoke to Jimmy about football that we watched, the, a game that we might have watched the night before. It's just, it's just a normal process. Um, you always speak about football. Um, did we speak about our players? Yeah, but I never, ever got involved in, in, in terms of what he selected as his team. Um, in terms of the players that are here at the football club, all we did was, uh, my position is to assist him in trying to acquire those players. We would put players in front of him. Um, I get calls every single day about players that are available. Jimmy got calls about players that are available. Andy Belk, who's head of our, our analysis, gets calls about players. We get them all in a pool and say, right, we're looking for a right back. We've got five, any of these, like you like any of these, Jimmy? as long as they fit within the budget and you know I've gone on and I've repeated this time and time again I do not have any influence on who the manager picks I do not have I have a bit of an influence on who, who he brings in here because we all have to feel that he's right for the football club but certainly not um, there's not a player that's in this in this squad that Jimmy didn't pick apart from the ones that were here before he came here 
And I can't imagine Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank is the sort of manager that would want that interference. And certainly Ian Holloway isn't the sort of manager that would want that interference. That's correct. And that's one of the things we spoke about. You know, I said, Ian, I'm not here to pick your side for you. I'm not here to pick your players for you. I'm here to assist. Um, you know, we want to get QPR back into the, into the Premier League. And unfortunately, there's, there's been a, a taint on directors of football in, in, in this country in terms of saying, right, they, they go out, they buy the players, they pick the team. Now, if I wanted to pick the team, uh, the Queen's Park Rangers team, what I would do is put myself up to being a manager. I haven't done that so far, so I don't think I have a right to pick who the team is. Interesting to get the views there of Les Ferdinand Paul, and you spoke to him earlier today for that piece. And whilst he was his typically bubbly self, he was also keen to set the record straight on a few things. Yeah, with Les Ferdinand, he's a very relaxed character. So when he gets wound up, it's rare and it sticks in the mind. And certainly he seemed somewhat irked by the suggestion that he's been involved in team selection under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's reign. And it was something he was certainly very keen to to put straight. I suppose you always get speculation around any football club and that is something that there has been speculation about recently and he seemed very, very keen, as I say, to set the record straight. It was something that definitely annoyed him. Yeah, just looking at the situation now though with Ian Holloway in charge, obviously the, the pair of them play together as teammates during their days at QPR and you, you sense there's a, a positive working relationship. I guess positive is always going to be the word where Ian Holloway is concerned, but a positive working relationship between the pair of them already. Yeah, and it, the, yeah, they clearly do get on and it's quite interesting. Les has said his biggest challenge all this week is just calming Ollie down. He said he's had 18 months of almost been like a coiled spring and now he's just so excited he can't contain himself and Les is saying we're just trying to calm him down because he needs to have something in the tank for Saturday for the game against Norwich City but even when he was uh, signing his contract at Loftus Road um, at the end of last week he used his uh, well-known phrase I feel like a badger at the start of mating season and Les said all right badger just come in here and sign the contract. And you were around Ollie weren't you um, when that uh, contract was officially signed on on Friday night and um, he was running around the uh, office um, singing the do, 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 hoops. I mean, and that just shows you everything you need to know about what this club means to Ian Holloway. He's the most excited manager I've ever seen come and, in. Yeah, in. That's after Q- 24 hours in the job. Yeah, he's so excited to be the QPR manager and it, it really does stand out. And then, yeah, when he signed the contract, he came out and went to all the office staff shaking all their hands and he's... You can tell he's very much about the whole club being together, being as one, being a team, being united. And you can sell, you can see from him, it's something he wants, but it's also something that naturally comes to him, which really stands out. And another man who's got bundles of enthusiasm is Mark Bircham, who's joined QPR as first team coach. And we got up with Birch a little bit earlier to get his views on the big move to W12. <laughs> Yeah, it's the way it's hunk in, really. It's been a bit of a whirlwind, so it sounds amazing. How's it, how's it been these last 24, 48 hours or so? Because it has been a whirlwind. You, you've mentioned that, not just the appointment itself, but you've travelled, you've got some air miles in. Yeah, I know, yeah. Uh, it's weird. I've had like five countries in six days, I think it was. So, yeah, weird. Like Just on Tuesday, I went to San Francisco at the, for my then job there with Arizona. I was talking to a player, then I flew out to do some... A few coaching conferences out in Thailand, and then ended up at dinner around Tony, Mr. Mr. Chairman's Tony Fernandez's <laughs> house, and then literally landed uh, at training at six, uh, well 
on Monday at six o'clock to come to training. So it's just been a massive whirlwind. The eyes are a bit puffy. You look a little bit tired, but um, yeah. knowing the passion you've got for this club, you can't wait to get to work now. I can't wait. Like, uh, soon as training starts, and it's all about the game Saturday, really. It, of course, you, players are used to new people coming in, old people going out. And then once that's out of the way, you can concentrate on the game Saturday, which we're, we're really looking forward to. But Norwich are a really good team. Really good team, one of the best, one of the best ones in the division, favourites to go up. So, look, if we can get Loftus Road rocking a little bit and make it uncomfortable for him. We'll go back to Saturday shortly. Um, just a little bit on your relationship with Ollie. Everybody knows that you're both QPR through and through. You enjoyed your best days as a Rangers player under the guidance of, of Ian Holloway. Just talk us a little bit about, not so much your relationship then, but your relationship now and how that's progressed through the years since you both stopped playing. Yeah, well, when, when I stopped playing or when Ollie left... Uh, QPR. When when Ollie left QPR, I think it it was strange for me because I I had to show loyalty to him. I, at the time, he got put on guard and leave, which I made my feelings be known to the people who's in charge at QPR. What a bad decision that was, and uh, I think Ollie always always deep down like that. And with Ollie, he's the most he, he made my dream come true as a player. He, he, he signed me for QPR. He, he made me captain during the spells and yeah, undervolved loyalty to him really on that side, football side. But just as a man, he's probably one of the most honest people you ever meet in football. So coming from a player to a manager and then once and then once I stopped playing, he, he was still a coach, always kept in contact with Ollie and managed to work with him at Mill. And yeah, it, coming back to QPR is a dream, but coming back to QPR with Ollie is a, a double dream. It's, it's perfect. It's perfect for me. As a coach and as a QPR fan, it's just something great to be a part of. Most managerial duos have that good cop, bad cop. Where does Mark Bertram sit? <laughs> <I think, laughs> or is that a secret? Don't I think know I have to ask the players. I'm, yeah, I'm a bit good and bad, I think. Uh, with Ollie, Ollie's Ollie. I mean, Ollie, you don't want to put a rein on Ollie. That's, that's what he's good at. And I think that's what his first spell here, I can speak as a player, he got a, he got a squad of players wanting to play for him. And I think that's when Ollie's at his best, when he, he, he can get players wanting to play for him, believing in him and dying for him because he's so honest. And I think I think that's what we're going to try and do this time around. Welcome back, Birch. Cheers, then. Uh, you were here a few weeks ago when we um, we launched the Forever Oz Club. What was that like for you to be back at the club you love, you know, back in front of the fans amongst familiar faces? Did that... Uh, I don't suppose you were thinking about coming back as a coach, but did that whet the appetite to get do, back? Do you know what, I, what I, Andy? I wasn't thinking about it till then, and I really missed QPR. Pulled the, the strings a bit. No, it, it really did. I know it's a, I know it's a cliche and everything. People talk about it, but it did, and uh, because I was completely happy out in America, I couldn't see myself moving back. I've been offered a few jobs back yeah. here, good jobs, but which I turned down. I, 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 I didn't even think about it. But the Fulham game was excellent. That was the first game I went to because. It was the first time I went as a fan. No ties. Full them away. No ties to any club. I was just sat it, in the crowd. Yeah, it, it was a bit emotional because it was like I took my boy. I was there with my dad. I, I remembered when I used to go with my granddad, and it was it was brilliant. And it turned out to be a brilliant result. But I was then say it helped. We won in the last minute for the yeah, first time and, in a long while. Yeah, and and they missed two penalties <laughs> and they had a couple cleared off the line. But it, that was great as a fan, and it was brilliant. But it was when I come back to QPR and Loftus Road for the Forever Arts Club, it was, I missed it. I actually missed it and missed being involved in football. It's a special club, isn't it? Yeah, I missed being involved with QPR. And I always said that before. Like when, I, when I played here, it was, 
it weren't till like you took took a step back and realised I'm playing for QPR. It's unbelievable, and it's the same when I come back to Loftus Road. Off, I did get a little bit of jealousy and think I'd love to be back here one mm. day. I always thought I would come back to QPR at one stage, but to happen it so soon, it for me it's brilliant. And well, we're delighted to we're, we're delighted to have Cheers, you back, man. and uh, we wish you the best of luck. Cheers, mate. Just on that American experience, though, because. Um, if your social media posts or anything, to yeah. you're living the life of Riley out there. Yeah. You've swapped a, a wonderful job in America. You've had two great jobs in America. Um, just on your coaching capabilities and your abilities as a coach, how has that changed having sampled a different side to what football is like in a different country? Because most coaches of your age wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have that experience, yeah. but you've got that. You can yeah. tap into that. Yeah, it's been brilliant. And I, I think it helped when like, I've coached the Canadian youth teams for a good few years and, and done the national team a couple of times as assistant. And do you know what it helps is dealing with players, different mentalities. The, the American lads are completely different mentalities. Uh, Attitude-wise, fantastic. Just football knowledge-wise, not great. And what don't help them? They go to college for four years, so mm. they miss out on like probably playing 150 games because they go to college and they concentrate on that. But uh, it is it is a melting pot out there. Different styles. They, they all like to play football, and they're, they're doing it properly out there. MLS is getting bigger and better. So is the MLS two, which should be the USL. Yeah, as you said, personally on a personal level and a lifestyle is excellent and. Uh, football soccer's getting bigger as they say out there but I like to, calling it, I like sure calling it call football, it football no? no I said soccer <laughs> because that's what they call it I never did call it soccer out there but yeah football is getting bigger out there but look there was only one job I would have come back for and that's the QPR one the season is very much still to play for we're six off the top six we're six off the bottom three if you like and I guess that's another reason why you want to come in it's not like you're coming in in a situation where the season's effectively over there's still so much to play for definitely and look I've, I've watched you know so, this league I've, I've, I know this league and I, I know the squad it's not like look, I've watched so many QPR games to be fair we get more life games out there than we do here so yeah. I've watched, watched a lot of games know a lot about the squad and like I said to Ollie it's a it's a it's an Ian, Ian Holloway type squad, young, hungry players that there's not too many of the, the leftovers from before, which, which have come down the big money and yeah, you, you, a few additions as well, and it can it can be a really good squad and exciting squad. And we're talking at Harlington. This place hasn't changed too much since you were last here. No, it's had a bit of a paint job. <laughs> it needed it. Pictures are looking well. Have you still got the same groundsman? Because you yeah. can't really. Uh, same groundsman still there. Yeah. No, way. I'm sure you'll they, be abusing. They must have been. It must have been over. Using the green paint, he might have some new equipment. Right. Might have some new equipment. I think it's a bit, it must be like Shane Warne's there. I think if you get up close, it's a bit patchy. <laughs> looking, uh, <laughs> looking ahead to Saturday, then, and I guess that's when it'll really hit home. Working alongside someone like Ian Holloway, you said that you idolise and you hold in the in the highest regard, regards. How important is it that we hit the ground running on Saturday? You mentioned that Norwich are certainly one of the sides that many expect to be competing. They're not perhaps having it all their own way at the minute under Alex Neil, but many expect those. Those, the Norwich side as well as Newcastle to occupy those top two come the end of the season yeah it's really important um, but I think the performance and the, the atmosphere of the clubs probably more important than the actual result it's not being or end or win or lose Saturday I think you look at the next block of four or five games 
then it's the points type life that. But it's getting that feel-good factor back. It's getting the players playing at Loftus Road with that feel-good factor because the ones who have joined this year probably haven't had that feel-good factor at Loftus Road. Yeah, with exception one or two, maybe on the opening day against Leeds. Yeah, exactly. And they've not had that. And hopefully we can build that and show the players that it's a great club to play for. And when it's rocking Loftus Road, that 18,000, 19,000 can sound like 30,000. There's nowhere better, is there? No, it's all been closed. But we're not... Me and Ollie are not coming here just as cheerleaders. Like we want to come here and, and do well, and like we've all it. Like people forget the well, the history that Ollie's had and the, the, the success he's had as a manager. Mm. And now I'm working with Ollie closely. The say b- before we we got the same ideas. Said we want to play the same way. We again we want to be the main thing. We want our teams to reflect how we are as people. And if we can do that, we want to be high energy. We want to we we want to get after teams and but we we want to show passion as a team. We want them to show passion and look if you work, we can't have the other team working hard on us. That's that's the main thing. And then because there's no no point talking about tactics if the other team work hard on you and uh, a, a a better thing because you're bright on the ball. So that that's what we want to do and and we've got our style of play. Ollie lo- loves to play football. He's learnt that from his Barca days at Barcelona Blackpool when he was there and he, he's, <laughs> car- he's carried it on. So, and look, we know the position of the club. We, it's a club that wants to play football. Uh, they, they want to attack at home and their home games, we want to put teams under pressure. We want to make Loftus Road a bit of a fortress. So that's one of the things we want to, that we look at this season with our, our record at home hasn't been great. Away, look, you can play a different style away if need be. Cause well uh, exactly. Yeah. And the way the style was before, it probably suited playing away from home, but that don't really pack the crowds in at home at Loftus Road. So look, as we said, we want to try and turn Loftus Road back to how we know it. Mm-hmm. And now everyone here who who's been here a good few years knows it. So that's the main thing for us. Ollie said that um, in the 18 months or so that he's been working for Sky, that he's learned a lot about himself and he just felt that the timing was right. Do you know what he means by that? Have you spoken to him during those 18 months in terms of where he's at personally? Yeah, definitely. I think with, uh, I think with, with Ollie, I can say, I think uh, with the mill job, he, he, he took it too soon after Palace. He hadn't had a really break from football. When you speak to managers, and especially for me, I think there was, there was a time after uh, when I left Chicago, I had three or four months, and that's the first three or four months I've ever had after football since I left school at 16. And you get to look at different styles and different players, and I think Ollie needed that after Palace. He's, he's had the roller coaster at Blackpool when he mm. was there working for a not so reasonable chairman and then he's gone to palace again it was a, a roller coaster 100 miles an hour job and then when he when he come out of it there i think if he'd have had the break that he's had now he would have come back like like a storm and i think that what's helped him is it's been perfect for him he's had a break but still in football mm. because he he's probably seen more games now yeah, than, when any he was other Sky, than, than when you was a manager because yeah. you're, you're you're concentrating on your own team but when he's working for Sky as a championship specialist, he's seen more players and more games here than probably any manager this season. Just talk to us finally then. You said you had that meeting with Tony Fernandez in Malaysia. How did that go? Well, most importantly, did he buy you, buy you the dinner or did you have to put your hand in your pocket for once? No, no, no. He, Tony was fine with that. He, he's got <laughs> he that covered. covered. That, he, he got that covered. I'll chat him next time. But what did you chat about? Was it just a case of you expressing your interest in, in coming in alongside Ollie and, and the reasons why you think the time is right for no, you? And we, we, we just spoke, we, honestly, we spoke for about three hours and, it, and it, it was about QPR and what's gone on, 
my my views of what's gone on before when I coached here. Walks and all. Walks and everything. Just just honesty and 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 about the future. Look, mistakes which have been made. And the thing we like, I, I say with QPR fans, uh, I'm probably one of the biggest QPR fans out there. And I don't think I would have put as much money as these owners have in this football club if I'd have won the lottery. So anyone that puts their own money like where their mouth is, you've got respect. And I've always said that about the owners. Like and. They want to do well. People can make mistakes or bad choices, but it's honest mistakes and bad choices. They're not doing it for any other reason. Like I won't name. There's other clubs out there that have been run into the ground, and it's they've not been uh, done for the right reasons. Here, it's been everything has been done for the right reasons to try and be successful. And now we've got another chapter, and Tony's 100% behind it, and his enthusiasm is infectious. He wants to do so well for QPR. Same with the other owners. They're all the same. Want to do well for QPR. And hopefully we can reflect that on the pitch. And we spoke about everything, players, as I said, what's gone on in the past, what, what we could do better and, and, and the vision for the club. But we, as we said, there's no point having a vision for the club if you don't get the short-term goals right. So we've got to sort of do both ends of the spectrum, have a long-term goal, but get the short-term goals up with it and meet somewhere in the middle, like a bridge. So that's, that's what we're doing and hopefully we can do it. And I hate people that come in and speak about what they're going to do. Like every man, don't we don't really want to do that. We want to be doing that six months down the line when we've actually done something. So hopefully we can revisit it then. You talk about enthusiasm and positivity, and they're going to be the buzzwords, I'm sure, around Loftus Road in the build-up to Saturday's game. But Mark Birch and Paul, another one who bleeds blue and white. I know. I just find it all so exciting. And maybe it's because they're so excited, but there's just something that you just think about what the atmosphere is going to be like on Saturday at Norwich when Ian Holloway and Mark Bertram walk out of the tunnel to go into the dugout. You can just almost send, you can just imagine how the, the reaction of Loftus Road, it's just, there's just a roar that's going to come out when them two come out and it can only help us, whether we win or lose the game, who knows, but it can only help us, that added atmosphere, that added spice that their return is going to bring. And Loftus Road's quite unique in that respect in that because of the supporters are so close to the pitch, as is always talked about, that does give the players a 5 or a 10% lift mm. and that could make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. And let's not forget, rightly or wrongly, that the Norwich manager seems to be under pressure at the moment as well. Yeah, I think so. so if we can start on the front foot, I'm sure Norwich are going to bring plenty as they always do, but if we can start on the front foot, which hopefully we will, and with the atmosphere that's going to be at Loftus Road, you think there's a great opportunity for us and, you know, dare to dream if we were to beat Norwich City. Can you imagine the feel-good factor that would just sweep around West London? One man who's certainly looking forward to that game is Sebastian Poulter. And we caught up with the big German looking ahead to this weekend's game against the Canaries. Seb, thanks for joining us on the Loftcast. It's all changed at QPR again with Ian Holloway now in the hot seat at QPR. You've just come off the training ground from your first training session under him. How was it? Yeah, I was really excited. He was, uh, I think he was enjoying himself on the pitch to be back, first of all. And yeah, he was uh, excited to, to train us. And you can see it in his face um, that he's really excited to, for the job and want to help us. That's the most important thing, to bring us uh, uh, forward again and to, yeah, to bring us back on the winning ways for consistently on the long way. You're obviously a foreign player. You've come over from Germany. Is... Ian Holloway, someone you were aware of prior to his appointment on Friday? I think I can't tell now because I just know him for one training session. What I heard about him is really positive and he's a positive um, guy and wants always uh, to speak and is emotional, uh, is 
is always into it in what he's what he's doing and uh, that is what I um, do as well uh, on the pitch off the pitch and that's um, yeah might work might not we will see you next uh, couple of weeks I hope that it will work and I will put everything into it he will every, he put everything in I think for for us uh, as the team to help us um, he know the right things to, to handle now where he have to change something where he um yeah where he bring where he have to bring us forward and that's important i think yeah and he had a meeting with you this morning prior to training what did he say to you was he just outlining what he expects from you as players yeah he's like he was not really individual speaking to him but um it's always important that the gaffer speaks to you um what he wants from you right from the start and he spoke with me that he want me in the box and um, not no one, nowhere else, and yeah, that's important for me to know. And yeah, and uh, me as a striker, I just can't score in the box. I'm not a striker who score outside of the box or whatever. So yeah, the little things and the speaking as well. Um, it's very important to have the communication between us two and between he, him and and the team is very important. I think, and he, he will do it. He done it already today. What's the reaction of the team generally to Ian Holloway? Because like you said, he is a character. He is lively he is enthusiastic and i'm sure after the training session you go into the change rooms you what do you think what do you think and there's probably conversations going on what's the reaction been yeah very very positive um, he's like uh, we in germany have a word i, I if i translate i don't know if that if that's true he's like a a man who's always smiling he's like uh, we, if i say it in germany no one will maybe just the german supporters <laughs> from qpr strahlemann but um yeah he's like a man who's really laughing all the time he's really positive you can feel he's really positive in what he's doing and that's what we need in the moment um, that everyone comes back to his performance to bring his performance on the pitch and yeah everyone everyone goes into the changing room after the training and feels good um, done a lot on the pitch um, he, everyone was understanding him that's also important in the first session that we understand him, what he wants from us, and he was explaining sometimes why we do it, and uh, yeah, that's very important to understand him right from the beginning, because it's just one week to the next game, and um, yeah, that's what we uh, want to have positive on the end of the week. And just a word on Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, obviously always disappointing to see a manager move on, and he was a, a manager that you played regularly under and you enjoyed some personal success under. Yeah, definitely. Um, he brought me in again, I was nearly out, I would always say it, uh, it's unlucky that he's out now. Um, I really um, appreciated his work with him um, privately, and uh, I think everyone done uh, does. Um, it's, all, it's sometimes happened in a career. You cannot change it. The manager goes out, players go out, um, and in again, or manager goes in again. But I wish him uh, all the best from from us as a team, and um, not just for myself. I think I can speak from the team um, that we wish him all the best. He will find a new club and. Um, yeah, he, he will go on again for, for, for the next club and I'm, I'm sure he will uh, have a good and great career as a manager as well. And just from QPR's point of view, switching matters back to the matter in hand, which is Norwich on Saturday at Loftus Road. It's important that we give the fans something to shout about because it's been a frustrating couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's always the up and down last couple of weeks and that's not what we want. We want consistently having points and um, that's what we work for on, on the pitch. And so let's start it on, on the weekend against Norwich. It's a big game and we all know that, but um, yeah, it's a home game so we can show um, our supporters again that we are there, um, that we are supporting each other as well. First of all, not just um, 
doing it for the supporters or whatever, we do it for us. We want to look in the mirror every day and want to have a great performance for ourselves and then the, the supporters will enjoy it as well, so um, that's important for us. Because the season, if you look at the league table, we're only six points off the top six. Okay, you could argue we're only six points off the bottom three, but there's still so much to play for this season. Yeah, it's still, still early. Very early. Yeah, very early in the season. You can't say you are up or there, but we are on the 17th and that's not where we want to stand. We want to be more up, much more up. And we all expect us ourselves to, to be more up um, in the in the places uh, between whatever three and nine or whatever there is the point where we want to play and we know we can play there definitely um, we can play there um, so now is we need to get back to bring our performance back on the pitch and then we can um, go quickly there but we need to work hard for it. Mm -hmm.